Josh Alvin. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 153 of Cinepox. Cinepox! It's not that high of a number, but I love every 153 episodes that we've done. <laughs> I mean, look, I <laughs> look. Including the lost episodes where we didn't know how to work the recorder. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think that was only two episodes that we entirely lost, but still... Yeah, no, I I think 153 is still an accomplishment of some kind. You know, it's yeah, not, man. you know, it's it's not nothing. It's 153 nuggets of joy in this dark and depleted world. Yeah, you're like welcome. That. You're welcome, <laughs> world. So who do we have on our show today, Liam? Oh, we got our man uh, from the First 7-Inch Club podcast, Mike Dick. Yo, Mike, what's up? Hey, what's up, guys? I'm glad to be here on the old Cinepunks. Welcome hey, hey. to the show. We're very happy to have you today. Hey, thanks. I, uh, what I like about, uh, having you on, it was like, okay, first seven inch club immediately. I think the, the banter that you guys have is fun. Uh, so I was immediately attracted to that, but also like you guys wander all over the place. Like, um, topic wise, like, you know, mm-hmm. I was definitely listening to the latest episode where there was an update on cigarettes. So that was yes. like <laughs> kind of out of nowhere. I assume that's a reference to other <laughs> podcasts from the past. Uh, but you guys have talked about movies. You've talked about TV stuff. You talk about new music and old music. So I just it was like, OK, this is a guy who I definitely feel like we could have on the show and talk about fun stuff. And you've brought us two very interesting movies. And I want to ask you. Mike, why did you uh, pick for us to discuss here on the show the films you picked? First, tell the audience what you picked, and then tell them why. Okay. Uh, I picked a film called Black Tavern and another one called God of Cookery. I chose these, well, two things. First, uh, outside of First Seven Inch Club, I have a long, long, long background in movie podcasts. Uh, I've been doing movie podcasts since I think podcasts were invented. Sure. Uh, this is, this like, it's it's actually like, I used to, be a guest on a movie podcast uh like like every every once a month but this is the first movie podcast i've done in a while so i'm glad to do it because it's like it's like getting back in the saddle but i chose these movies because uh there are two movies that i've been watching and loving for years and years and years now that uh i just kind of assumed in this new uh, futuristic world where everything like every single obscure film on earth gets some kind of crazy uh bloated kind of physical release that's like 40 bucks that has like everything you could ever want for it um, they, I would just kind of assume by now these movies would have that and they don't, they're just, uh, you have to, you have to, you can't be Josh. You have to be good at the computer to find these movies. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, 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 and it's, a, it's a real shame because they're both like, you know, literally some of my favorite movies of all time. And it just it kind of sucks that I can't like, you know, you can't, I can't show it to more people. So if this reaches, you know, even a handful of people will be like, Oh, I want to check those movies out. I feel like I've done my job because. These movies are great, and I think everybody should see them. Now, I don't know how good it is for our podcast to cover stuff that 
people don't know because then maybe they won't listen to the episode. But I'm <laughs> hoping that they will be brave and listen to the episode and get excited and go because that happens on Twitch of the Death Nerve, one of our sister podcasts. All the time they cover stuff that people don't know and then people try to go and find the movie. So I hope I hope that transfers to our audience. But I got to say, I don't want to spoil our discussion, but I am extremely grateful that you have exposed <laughs> us to these two movies, which I mean, I guess a Stephen Chow movie I would have found eventually. Like, I think, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like eventually I might have found this movie because I like his, some of his other movies, but who knows? Maybe not. And then The Black Tavern, as far yeah, as I, I know, that movie is missed. The Black yeah. Tavern. <laughs> yeah. Stephen Chow, like, like Liam, I love Stephen Chow movies. So, you know, this, I could see myself eventually getting to this one. But Black Tavern is like, I was telling Liam earlier today, or maybe I'll just save it for the discussion. Let's just hold right. on to that. Right. But we just appreciate it. Now, yeah. uh, uh, for people who don't know about your podcast, tell people the, the, the elevator pitch about First 7-Inch Club. So First 7-Inch Club is a podcast where each episode we take a 7-inch by a band that, like, obviously in hardcore, punk, metal, that type of stuff. Uh, and it's a band that kind of didn't quite get past the 7-inch the phase of their careers. They just didn't, you know, they released a demo and maybe a couple 7-inches and called it quits. Obviously, that was a lot more prevalent in the 90s and early 2000s. Now, kids just like release anything they ever record on the Internet and it's there. But, you know, back in the day, it was a little hard to get to that step. So uh, we're, we're highlighting some obscure bands and telling you whether or not they're worth listening to. Or it's, a, it's in a comedic way. It's not so much in a nerdy way. So you don't have to worry about that. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what we do. Except if, if I, don't, I don't know if this is coming out like anytime soon. I don't know how long it takes you guys to get an episode out. but. Our 50th episode, which is our next episode, will not be about a seven inch. So but all all the other 49 episodes have been about seven inches. So I like I'm, getting to 50 and just breaking the format. Just yeah, like, yeah. doing something else. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Josh, I got to tell you something here. Uh, you know, Mike has uh, a, 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 on the show asked people for suggestions and they have a Facebook group. They've asked for suggestions and I've been intimidated by that thought for a while. Because I was just like, I don't know what to do. And then I, I took a chance the other day and I tried to suggest some stuff for the show to Mike on Instagram. And I got to tell you, Josh, my first two suggestions were big failures <laughs> because as a guy who's apparently bad at Discogs, I didn't realize that both the things I suggested were splits. They were bands who had splits. Whoa. They weren't full seven inches. And I, it took me a few tries to get it something that was actually a good suggestion. And... um. When I tell you what it is, the actual suggestion I made, you're going to laugh at me. It was fat nuts. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Genius. Fat I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty upset I didn't think of that myself because I, That's you know, so it's, good. I'm, I'm obviously nuts. familiar with fat nuts, but I just I didn't really think about it. Fat, <laughs> fat nuts is one of those bands that I grew up with in a sense, yeah. you know, going yeah. to like heavy shows in Pennsylvania. Uh, and it's a band that weirdly friends of ours who are more into the punk world of things, but are also from Pennsylvania also like that band, you know, like people yeah. who have like, you know, disclosed patches and stuff are like, <laughs> Oh man, you like fat nuts. And I'm like, do you like fat nuts? <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. 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 So Josh, I, I, I was wondering as someone who I think of as a master of obscure music that no one else could possibly care about, do you have a seven inch suggestion for Mike for this for a seven inch club? I mean, yeah, probably. I don't know, Mike. <laughs> like, uh, how about the uh, ordination of Aaron seven inch? They, they have more yeah. than one seven inch, though. 
No. Really? They, they only have one? Then they did the LP that was like all different and sound like Smashing Pumpkins. Hmm. Let me think. Oh. So it so that's the rule. They only have to have one seven inch and then no, I mean or just we, like not an LP. Yeah, we we fudge the rules a lot because there's like a lot of LPs like you just mentioned. Like it might be completely different or something like that. But uh, or uh, the Tortoise Jerome twelve inch, which I will forever and a day put up. It's a forty five, so it's only like seventeen minutes or something like this. But man, or uh, well, that's not a seven inch charge. It's literally. I know. Okay. 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 Let me think on it. I Liam. prepped you for this. This isn't. You people did, think I gave I, you a gotcha question, but this is not a gotcha question. No. Well, I mean, I get it. You did prep me for this. Like he prepped me for this, and I, I'm yeah. a poor preparer. You should also know that. I think uh, the best Liam way to. I think the best way to try and figure out something for the show is think of somebody in your local scene that just never made it because that's right. usually what we do. It's like yeah. a lot of like hyper local stuff. Ordination oh. of Aaron Seven Inch, very expensive. I don't know if that's ever going to be done on the show, but <laughs> I'll put it on the want list. I'll put it on the want list. One Nature, that was <laughs> never heard of them. Obscure, Let's see. The New Jersey band. They played a lot with like Lifetime and all those bands. Hmm. And that was uh, really. I thought they were amazing, and I don't think anyone loved them except. It's just they're called One Nature. Yep. Oh, there they are. Okay, let's see. You got it. You got it, Josh. Yeah. They have a they have a, they have a rare double seven inch. That yep, is very and it was on clear. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had it because we'll I worked at Vintage Vinyl in New Jersey. So like, oh, and good then, store, uh, good store. Yeah, 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 yeah. I worked there for a bunch of years. I got fired from there. It was great. <laughs> I got fired from there for spitting on my boss's face. Wow. At a show. Yeah, it was weird. Wow, well, they're also <laughs> Trust Kill Records number three. Wow. There you go. Yep, one nature. Ba boom. They're on See, the list. This is what this is. I let me be clear to the audience members who don't realize. I knew Josh would be much better at this than I was. <laughs> so I was trying to give you a moment to shine. Cause I'm like, oh, Josh knows a million bands that you'll ask me all the time about a band, like, oh, you know about blah blah blah. And I'm like, no, I don't know what the fuck you're like. Most of the 90s, it was like Fury of Five, Earth Crisis, man. and like a couple of Jesus bands. And that was mm-hmm. it, man. Like, it, That's it, intense. I, I listen to more obscure music now in my 40s than I did when I was 15. You <laughs> See, know? for me, in, in the 90s, if it was like, oh, they recorded this in a garbage can in Tanzania. <laughs> yeah, 100% sure, my sure. shit. Here's my tattoo for that band. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's like, I, like, back then, it was like Coleman. Remember that band? Or um, sure. Pullman, uh, Three Studies for a Crucifixion, Discordance yep. Axis, like all of that stuff. But then all the abolition stuff for me, right? Like I love Yafet Kodo. I love Downcast. I love Struggle. Like all of that yeah. shit. Were you ever a creationist crucifixion person? You know what's funny? All the people that like that band always wore black turtlenecks, and I thought it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, fuck that band. <laughs> yeah, but they did that split with Coleman. It was Coleman oh, and Three Studies for that's Crucifixion. That's why. Yeah, I yeah, don't. Yeah. I, you know what? I don't know. I I couldn't tell you why I thought of that band, and then you just said why because of that split. I was like, yeah. oh, what about Crusher's Crucifixion? There you okay. go. Or all like right, Jihad right, in right. Ottawa. That split. That's a good one. Sure. Where are you sure. from, Mike? Uh, I'm originally from Connecticut, and then I lived in upstate New York, and then I lived in uh, downstate New York, aka New York City, and now I live in Chicago. Oh, yeah, I got a so friend in Chicago. Hey, yeah, oh. is, it, uh, is it Liam? Liam, yeah, it's yeah. him. Oh, I <laughs> you might have heard of him. I thought you were going to say Nick Numerality Z, and I was like, oh, you're friends with Nick too? Okay. No, I like Sunstroke, though. 
cool. Yeah, Sunstroke's great. Okay, <laughs> uh, before we get into the movies uh, that we're going to be talking about today, we have to say thank you to some people. Uh, first, of course, we need to thank our supporters on Patreon. Thank you so much for your uh, financial support. Uh, we love you. Uh, the money that you give us helps us pay for things like we're probably going to have to up our database you know, our, our data hosting basically, uh, cause we have more shows joining the family, which is great, but it means we need more hosting. So, uh, your money helps make that possible. So thank you so much to everyone who supports us on there. If you're curious about our Patreon and some of the benefits, including some very cool Cinepunk shirts, uh, head on over to patreon.com backslash Cinepunks. That's C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. You should know what it is. It's right on your podcast thing. Come on, <laughs> Josh, who else do we have to ask? We have ask. to, we, we have ask. to thank. We have to thank uh chris reject and the people at the lehigh valley apparel creations now here's the thing liam i ordered the fugazi long long sleeve the oh, merchandise you did. Oh. i did and uh i accidentally ordered the wrong size for myself so when the wrong size showed up at my doorstep i'd mentioned it to chris i was like hey man yeah i ordered this and this is what came and chris is like really and i was like yeah man i mean it's all good because you know your boy's not a complainer but i'm just saying and chris like got upset at the person who did the shipping and all that stuff but then he checked the order, and guess who messed up? Josh it did. It was yeah, because I put the wrong size in there because I'm bad at computer, Mike. That's what I told you. <laughs> and uh, so Chris yelled at his boy, and he was like, dude, I yelled at him. I was like, well, yeah, I didn't complain. Did you hear me say I'm not here to complain? Because I was just talking to my homie, Chris Reject, just to say hi because I talked to my friend. You didn't know you that Chris Reject is like actually an, an intense boss. Like, uh, 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 he, you know, this is an ad for LVAC. So let me make this into the ad because Chris <laughs> Reject is a fun punk dude who puts on wrestling shows. People don't realize that he is, when it comes to the actual quality of their work, very professional. And if you were to say, be the stock guy for a couple of years, uh, <laughs> i.e. me and you maybe have adhd and are bad with numbers and make dumb mistakes all the time chris is like not he's not mean but he certainly like comes out and goes all right you really fucked this up man you know what i mean like th that's a real thing and so like as now someone who doesn't work for chris but in fact gets chris to print my shit i appreciate that like chris is reliable he's on top of his stuff he helps uh the person out he's been very helpful with us we've had to deal with so many issues with supply chain stuff and trying to find blank shirts and blank hats and all that stuff and chris is like the best partner i can imagine in a printer trying to find the stuff we need so if you have a band a podcast a D, &D group uh, a group that goes around and beats up fascists whatever it is chris should be the guy you get and lvac should be the folks that you get to print your hats shirts hoodies sweatpants bandanas dr seuss hats whatever it is that you fucking need but liam what if you're sleepy when you're ordering from Chris? And you order something wrong? No, what if you're sleepy? Who else should you order stuff oh. from? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have our friend Aaron Dahlbeck at uh, Essex Coffee Roasters. Yeah. Josh, what, why, what, what made Eric? Uh, uh, Eric. Fuck. Aaron. I'm having a weird Who's night. Who's my actual friend, not just I the know. person whose name I say on the internet. I know. Uh <laughs> What 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 was it that made Aaron so committed to quality coffee? Our man doesn't like the bourgeois, baby. <laughs> He's making wow. coffee for the people. Wow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want coffee, like Aaron is a good dude. He makes good coffee because he likes good coffee and he doesn't he wants to dispel 
the ephemera of, you know, hoity-toityness that goes along with good coffee that, you know, sticks to your bones. You know what I'm saying? So uh, if you go to Essex Coffee Roasters and you put in your order and then you put Cinepunks at checkout, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X, you'll get 10% off of delicious coffee. Oh, but wait, you don't drink coffee because your heart's funny? Guess what? They got tea. You know what I'm saying? Funny. <laughs> they got tea. Not only do they have tea, they have t-shirts. Woo! You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Sick designs. So uh, big up to Aaron. Big up to Essex Coffee Roasters. Aaron's on tour right now with New Fan Glory, <laughs> where they're oh, doing yeah. 22 dates together and having a time. So uh, I miss you. But, uh, you know, I call my mans every so often just to see what's up with them. Love and I'll that. holler at them soon because, you know, that's what that's what bros do. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah, we're supposed to, to Rough Cut's supposed to have a collaboration with him soon. Uh, oh, we, we've just really? been super, super busy. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he yeah. suggested, we suggested a movie to him. And he got excited about it. So we're going to have a movie and coffee collaboration, movie shirt and, and coffee branded with it. It's going to be sick. Uh, I won't tell you guys what it is, but well, you should guess what, what kind of movies have coffee in it. Don't guess on the show right now. Send us something and let us know what you think. And if you get it right. I'll send it to you for free when it exists in the world. Uh, so hit our email, uh, cinepunks at gmail.com. Okay. Hey, uh, last thing uh, so we can actually start the episode proper. Um, you know, the reason that we spend the time here uh, making sure that we sound okay is that we know we're going to send these files to our man Sharky over at mechanicalsharkmedia.com. Uh, and uh, he's going to edit it. And if we have not spent the time to make sure our audio is good, he's he's going to tell us. And we, we don't want that. We want him to be happy. Uh, Sharky is a mastermind of video production, audio production. He can help you get your podcast off the ground. He can help you do special effects for your production of whatever it is, whether it's a music video, stage production. Uh, he can help you stream events. Uh, just anything media related, Sharky can make it happen for you. So head on over to mechanicalsharkmedia.com. He is the best. We love him. Awesome. Okay. That's everything. Let's get let's get into the feature here, Josh. The thing that people right. are here for. They're not here for the ads, though. We do pretty good on the ads. I feel good about our ads, but they're here for something else. Maybe and we I, should write some of those ads down. That's true. <laughs> I mean, read them. Technically speaking, this is okay. Here's the thing, Josh. I have a bunch of copy for Essex that I sent to you, and you've never looked at it. Yeah. And I yeah, it, yeah. and in fact, when I was when I threw it to you for the Essex thing, I'm like, he's going to talk about how Aaron toured with Bain looking for good coffee, and so he wanted to make that easier for people. That wasn't where you went with it, but what you said yeah. was also true, so it yeah. was fine. Yeah, 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 see, yeah. It's not the detail, Liam. It's the essence of what you're trying oh, to say. Oh, sure, baby. sure, sure. Uh, no? What is what is the thing that we do right now, Josh? The the there's a like there's a thing that we do. Uh, Mike, have you listened to our show? Do you know you what thing that He's happens right now? <laughs> yeah, we have a Dude, regular feature. I've heard I've heard of it before in the past. Yeah, what's a what might called? it be called? It's called whacking on track. Ah! Whacking on track. <laughs> <laughs> So That's good. great, Mike. Our new gimmick is instead of trying to actually line it up where we say at the same time, we just try to cut the other person off and say it first. Uh-huh. So okay. you like you just participated in a very real uh-huh. way. I great. like that. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, Mike, as our guest, would you like to go first, second, or third for uh, Wagon on Track? Well, I guess I'll go first and get it over with. I don't really have I don't really have something great for these. For some reason, don't you guys also talk about movies you've seen and shit like that? All yeah, that stuff. Man, yeah, all that. Yeah, I was I was I was more geared to talking about movies I've seen, but I'll just I'll do whacking on track instead. You could talk uh, about movies because movies can be whacked. No, that's or the whacking on track. Yeah. Is movies? It's so we we include movies we've seen, events Media. we've been to, yeah. 
records we've heard recently, anything in that realm that we think is worth telling people about. I'll keep it in the realm. Uh, on my on track is I, so I'm kind of a, I guess I, I call myself a casual comic book reader. I'm a, I'm a person who I subscribe to Marvel unlimited for several years and I just don't use it as just burning money. And, um, I would like look, you know, I'd read old X-Men comics every once in a while. And then during the pandemic, when there was nothing else to do, I got super into actually reading more, more modern comics. So now, so now every once in a while I go to the comic book store and buy physical comics and I, uh, bought a comic book. It's old. It's from 2016 called black hammer. And, uh, this, this comic book is very good. It's, uh, it's about, uh, it's about a bunch of superheroes that, uh, basically are, mysteriously stuck on a uh, farm like on, in like an old like tiny town and they're trying to figure out how to get off the farm it's kind of like you know a little truman show uh a little uh you know uh the not the boys but it's 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 not that as edgy as the boys i would say but it's you know it has that kind of feeling to it where sure yeah uh, it's it's more like uh like even though they're all kind of like super, somewhat supernatural characters, they are kind of more grounded in reality than your normal superheroes. But right. uh, every every superhero in it is like a trope from like the golden age of comics, and it's it's just uh, really well written. I don't know, like I don't know if people people know these guys because, like I said, I'm a casual comic book reader. But it's created by Jeff Lemire, and I'm sure if you are an actual hardcore comic book man or woman, you probably are very familiar with this comic because I think it's won Eisner awards and shit like that. But it's new in my life, and I read the first volume, like you know, from front to back in one sitting because I was so into it. So uh, I need—I think there's like one more volume left that I haven't read le- read yet. But uh, I'm I'm very into this Black Hammer. I hope it, it becomes the next TV show that doesn't suck. Yeah. Or uh, I hope it just stays a comic book and no yeah. one touches it and fucks it up, one or the other. But uh, it's it's very good. I definitely recommend Black Hammer, even if you are like a lapsed comic book fan like I am. It's on my list of like Johns I need to check out. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the only reason I haven't jumped in is I really want to get the first trade, but I want to get it at a shop and uh, I haven't found it at a shop yet. A, the, a lot of people have their trades, but they don't have the first one, yeah. which is they must have, they must have reprinted it because the place I go to, they had it like on the front counter, like it was like brand new or something. And like uh, I saw, I, like, okay. I, I watched this guy on, on YouTube called Comic Tropes. I don't know. Again, if you're probably a hardcore comic book fan, you know this guy, but. Uh, his videos are really interesting, but he like did a big thing on Black Hammer a couple of years ago, and I saw it on the the counter, and I was like, "Oh, I remember that Comic Tropes episode." So that's why I bought it. So maybe yeah, so maybe that's a new pressing of the uh, the the first volume. I don't know. Mm, I need to get into it. I'm glad this is this is a reminder that I need to to jump on because I haven't I I still collect a few things here and there, but uh, I haven't been regular with anything because I haven't felt fully sucked into anything. The closest maybe is. Um, Oh, what's the name of that? Uh, the one that uh, Pat from Self Defense Family does for Image. It's like the Frontiersman or something like that. Uh, I really liked it, but I I just haven't been able to get out to get the next mm. few issues. But I really need something because I I was I was at a point a few years ago where I had like ten to twelve titles that I was monthly on that I was obsessed with, and then a bunch of them just went away. They just ended, and yeah. I was like, oh. I guess the I need and other ones that was now. one. I remember. Uh, what were the other ones? Uh, Wicked in the Divine, uh, Paper Girls. Paper Girls, yeah. Uh, oh, I have that one because I, I got Comixology to read the rest of the Black Hammer, and I put Paper Girls on my um my, my read list. Is that good? Is it a good one? Yeah, it's, great. it's really I good. I love it, yeah. 
Uh, Harrow County got canceled. I started reading that today. Yeah, I really like Harrow County. Um, there was something else that ended too. Oh, uh, uh, East of West uh, got, got ended. Well, I shouldn't say got canceled. It ended. Like the story just was over. And there was a few like that. It wasn't even like I was still reading The Walking Dead. And then that ended. Like it was a surprise. It was like, oh, yeah, and we're, and we're done. Bye, everybody. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, that's fine. It, 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 none of these did I think it was bad. Well, Harrow County was ended before it should have, I think. But most of the ones I was reading, it wasn't that they shouldn't have ended. It's just I didn't predict them all ending around the same time. And I was like, oh, I guess I don't have comics anymore. <laughs> I remember so, when that happened. You Were were you still here, Liam? Because it felt like I was watching yeah, someone yeah. get like bombed to death. It was because like every just, book would end. You'd be like, boop, boop, boop. it's just like Liam walking around South Philadelphia in a daze. <laughs> no, I wasn't in South. I was still in. E- I was in Easton, uh, but I think. Well, um, yeah. But I think um, it was just before the pandemic, so we still saw each other sometimes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and it was just like, oh, okay. Which I guess it was good timing because then once the pandemic started, I just stopped buying. Like I wasn't going to get online and try to order issues, and I and I didn't have a Comicsology account, so like. I just stopped with comics, but also I wasn't really into anything either. You know what I mean? So I didn't feel like I missed out any, but now that I'm going back to the stores, I've picked up things here and there. There's, there's stuff I've talked about on the show, but nothing that like, I'm like, this is it. This is the thing I'm into, you know? <laughs> All right, Mike, any, what, what else, what else you got? Uh, for, for on track. Let me see. Uh, any more on tracks for me? Um, I think I'm good, man. Uh, I, I watched all I watched all of the old Incredible Hulk TV movies. Those are crazy uh, talk. Those, crazy yeah, talk. Those are still pretty fucking good. Um, again, the back to the comic books. One of the things that got me, like, because I was fine with Marvel Unlimited, just because uh, I think it's like three or six months behind from the newsstand, and I don't care. I don't like. I'm looking at a pile of comics now, and I wish I never bought them because it's like it's just taking up sure. space. But yeah, but so I was fine with that. But then I got into the Immortal Hulk. And I was like, I can't wait. Like, I can't wait for the next issue of this. So I have to go st- start buying it. So that's what got me to, to buying stuff. So I've been on like an incredible Hulk kick for the past couple of years. And I was just mm-hmm. like, uh, I was just like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta check out those old TV movies. And they still yeah. hold up. They're still very good. Uh, I don't mean, I don't know. Maybe they're definitely a lot different from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Hulk. That's that's for sure. But it's they're still like very dreary and like. Kind of depressing. They're honestly like in line with the Immortal Hulk. They're obviously not as as ho- like horror tinged, but it's still the same type of depressing shit. So I appreciate uh, the, that. Yeah, and the, the and Hulk the is my of, wife's favorite character. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I hope she, I hope she's seen these movies because they're very good. But uh, there's the one with Thor sucks. But outside of that, the uh, the death of Hulk is very good. Like uh, it kind of like you know it's one of those things where I think you have to be of a certain age because I think if you showed these to like a 23 year old, they would just think you're a fucking moron. But um, you know, as a as an older fellow, uh, they they really brought me back. They're they're very very good. I think I've seen most of them. Um, the though, Thor one's the one where Thor's hammer is like real long, isn't it? It's like real. It's like long, but like also like just the size of a basically like a normal hammer. Like it's not like <laughs> it's not impressive, and every, and everybody's just picking it up like it's no big deal to pick up Thor's hammer. So it's it's a uh, so it's pretty. Lame. And Thor is like kind of a dick, and what, which I guess. <laughs> I don't remember him in the comic book at the time. Maybe he was kind of a dick at the time, but it just like it didn't really uh, work for Hulk. I don't think. Yeah, the Thor that I remember, he is. I mean, he's this whole thing like where in the MC where Thor is a character. This has got to be a modern invention because the <laughs> Thor comics I read in the eighties and nineties, he just would walk around being like, 
I'm Thor. They just yeah, yell yeah. at people. Like yeah, there was yeah. nothing. The character was the doctor or the architect or I don't remember if he was a doctor or an architect, but mm. the man who would turn into Thor. Remember, like he yeah. would yeah, 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 hit yeah. something. Like that was the character, and then Thor just yelled at people, which mm-hmm. is like cool. I wasn't offended by that when I was twelve, but it, it doesn't. You know, this whole thing where he has layers is like. I don't know if that's how it was in the comics. In the yeah, you know, the, the only thing, is, thing is, I like, remember is the Beta Ray Bill stories. Oh that's sure, it. yeah, yeah. That was like my only the of all the Thor that I've read in my life. Beta Ray Bill is the only thing I remember. <laughs> you know, I have Marvel Unlimited. I got it for the Hickman uh, X Men stuff. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But it's it's across so many books that when I try to use it to figure out what I should read next, I I get confused a lot. Like I'm like, all right. Am I on Excalibur or am I on this other? Like, it's easier when you buy a trade because they smushed it all together for you for those trades. They take all the guesswork out. Yeah. And and so also, I just think Marvel Unlimited and and Comixology, all those apps, they work better on tablets. And I don't have a tablet. So Mm. I do it on my phone and I don't don't mind it, but I just wish I had it. I just feel like the tablet is perfect for that. And on my phone, I'm kind of zooming in and zooming out. And it's not as, as fluid, you know. Uh, yeah, Josh, I, 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 go ahead, go ahead, Mike. No, I was just gonna say, yeah, I have, I have it on the phone too. But I bought a tablet. I bought like a cheap uh, Kindle that you could, you could hack those to, to run Marvel and stuff like that. And it is pretty sweet. It, it's ruined reading comics on my phone for me for sure. So I do recommend I buying do a cheap. I need to do it. Buying a cheap Kindle that you can hack. Not for you, Josh. I know you can't hack things, but <laughs> no, no. As computer computer experts, we know yeah. how to hack into the Kindles. So. <laughs> I'm hacking all the time. I'm, half of my day, I'm hacking, yeah, hacking into things. Yeah. Every day you're hacking it. I'm just hacking yeah. away. Yeah. <laughs> I can just clickety clack, and then I'm in the the <laughs> Fed. I don't know. I don't yep. fucking know. Uh, Josh, I know you have a million things for whacking on track. So why don't you go next? All right. Uh, I saw Memoria yesterday on track. How was it? Yeah. <laughs> Have you, do you know this movie, Mike? Is it, what's it called again? Memoria. It's directed by a Pong Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I've lived in Chicago for, I don't know, four years now or something like that. And, uh, I've never been to the Gene Siskel theater of, and, that was playing there like a like a month ago, and I was gonna go, and I was like, I don't know about this movie. It doesn't. It sounds like it could suck, and it was like two and a half hours long, and uh, so I didn't go, and I've still never been to that theater, and I really regret it. And uh, now everybody's been talking about this Memoria movie, so I regret it even more. So no, I have not seen it. Do you it's like under- his? Have you seen his other movies? What was his other Cemetery. movies? He did Uncle Boon Me, who can remember his past lives, is like the big one, and uh, Cemetery of Splendor. Um, yeah, I think these are out of my wheelhouse, so I can't say I've seen uh, them. So you gotta Big take your time with it. Big yeah, recommend. Huge okay. recommend, though. It's pretty weird. It's it's stark, but it's gorgeous and beautiful. This movie is his first one that's not filmed in his native home of Thailand, right, Liam? He's Thai. Yeah, that's right. And um, so this one's filmed in uh, Colombia, and it's also starring um, Hilda Swinton, and it's like his first movie that isn't in in Thai and it's a, it's got like Spanish and English in it. Although it's worth mentioning he lives in Colombia now. That's why he filmed it there cuz he he moved from Thailand to uh I think he lives in Medellin cuz there's a there's like a letter. I think if you get the press kit from Memoria, there's like stuff in there that's like a letter when he first wrote to uh, Tilda Swinton about the movie and all this stuff and he talks about living in in Colombia and the spirit of Colombia and stuff. Yeah, 
it's wild, man. But this movie is it's eccentric. It's both vast and empty at the same time, while still being incredibly full and lending itself to so much like just thought. You know what I mean? It's one of those movies that you think about like the connection made throughout. But I can't even tell you like anything about. And that's not like on a spoiler tip. That's just because like, what am I going to tell you? Like Tilda Swinton <laughs> stares at stuff. She hears things like, I don't know. It's like a, it's, it's one of those movies that if you're that kind of nerd, you know exactly what you're in for and you're going to love it. And if you're not, I mean, you know, if you, you just know if you're going to like it. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing or even a fair criticism. I mean, it's literally a movie inspired by two things. Hit the director's insomnia. Yeah. And this is a director, by the way, Mike, who has said, I hope people fall asleep in my movies because that means they're properly relaxed. Mm. <laughs> so like, you know, the, the the fact that he has having insomnia that sort of informs the anxiety of this movie mm. and uh, and doing a movie that is vaguely related to aliens. And that's that's it. <laughs> that's sort of where the movie comes from. And then yeah. he just went from there uh, and based part of it on dreams and part of it on stuff they figured out on set. And I don't know. He's just a very it's it's I got to say, like for a segment of our audience, his movies are probably torture because they are. <laughs> slow films they but are, for another yeah. segment of our audience they're the fucking best it's exactly what you want it's yeah. like you know it's you know it'd be like if you're allergic to msg right like so sometimes you can't eat certain things and sometimes you know if you're not allergic that's that's the, the best shit <laughs> fucking ever that's that's where i'm at you know like oh i'm way pro msg it's it's <laughs> I, I now that i have it at home i cook with it all the time um uh, but like straight up, like I, if people say like, I can't stand his movies, I'm not like offended, yeah. but it's just letting me know like, okay, well that's, you're on a different wavelength. That's fine. You know, it's just a different place to be in, you know? So, yeah. So I saw that and um, the latest projection that they did in Philadelphia was on 35. And that is a huge deal to me and Liam. Like we love seeing stuff on film. So getting to see it on 35 definitely made my day. So that was, that was pretty, uh, pretty on track. And for whack, I got hit by a car. I tell you about that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I got yeah, hit by a car did. the other I'm day. Sorry, in the street. buddy. And uh, I just put a new basket onto the front of my bicycle, and then I smushed it right into the side of a car because the dude did not turn on his turn signal and then just turned. And as he was cresting right in front of my front tire, I locked eyes with him, Mike. I looked him in his eye, and then I hit his car. And then I went flying. I smushed my new basket and then he kept on driving and I was laying there. Did I say this in the last episode? Yeah, you, you talked about oh. this. On the show. Yeah, you did. I'm sorry. It. Yeah, I still think about it because I'm looking at my bike right now and my basket is still smushed. It makes me so sad. Are you going <laughs> to talk about the fest that you went to? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, like, it's funny, Liam, because like, here's the thing, Mike. Your boy Josh does like so much dumb shit. Like, me <laughs> and my wife don't have kids. And we love stuff. We love fun. So we do a lot of it, you know? And I just got home from Rochester where we saw the Nitrate Picture Show at the George Eastman Museum. We saw 12 programs, because one was a short program, of movies that were struck before 1951. And one of the greatest things that I've seen ever in life happened at this, this past fest because we got to see an original print of Pinocchio. And that's a 1940 Disney film on a triple strip that it's the three strip um, Technicolor. Sure. Yeah. It yeah. Was, 
it was crazy because they found it in the basement of some Swiss something something. And um, <laughs> no, but they lost the first reel. So what they did was they played the first reel of the movie, the first 10 minutes, they played it on safety film on acetate. And then 10 minutes after, like as soon as that, that reel ran out when it went to the second film, it switched from safety film to nitrate print. And you could see the difference and like all the warm brown pantones came out and it's just fucking unbelievable. It's an experience unto itself. So I got to see that. I got to see a print of rope, which was amazing. Love that. On nitrate. So good. So we did that. And then the week before that, I was at the last Maryland Death Festival. So I got to see uh, Max and Igor Cavalera play uh, Beneath the Remains and Rise front to back, both <laughs> records. And I got to see Destruction and Demolition Hammer. Did you see the shit. did you see the sex act in the autopsy pit? I did. And then uh, I was also <laughs> sitting around the corner for the suicide. So that was. Oh, weird. no. Yeah. Because I didn't know what was happening. And Melani had a ticket to go see No Mas. Do you know this band? No. Mas? Oh, yeah. I love that band. I couldn't get a ticket, but Melani did. So she went inside and I sat outside of the venue just laughing at the dude dressed like a cow talking to the dude dressed like a chicken because that was happening. And <laughs> then there was all this running and I had no idea what was going on. And then I asked someone later, and they're like, yeah, a kid jumped off of a parking garage. And so that was a thing. It was weird. But, you know, Maryland Death Fest <laughs> bought a Cannibal Corp shirt. I will advocate taking edibles if you're going to go to any type of outdoor death sure. fest. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, mean, my God. Huge improvement. Huge. Um, I mean, I'll straight edge revenge you, but yes, yes. I oh, you can straight edge revenge me because at that point I wouldn't have cared because no. like, you know, <laughs> I was sitting there eating ice cream. Yeah, while, sure. Like, all these of bands course. are playing. I was like, man, this is great ice cream. Uh, I also would advise against wearing Crocs as your outdoor <laughs> foot of cho- footwear of choice for a festival. Fuck. Because though they're comfortable, they do not support your arches. No, no. No. So if you're standing in a parking lot of Baltimore, in 90 degree weather, while death metal bands are playing and obituaries playing in the rain, I wouldn't advise crap. So that's it. Well, and also, I feel like that's a crowd of people who enjoy boots. And uh, if someone in a boot stomps your croc, there's not a lot of protection there. I was so stoned, though, Liam. I was not moshing. I was just vibing, baby. <laughs> I just mean I people fucking croc- walking I w- by. I don't mean people moshing. There just was like- no croc mosh involved in this. I death don't. Death. I wasn't suggesting you were moshing. <laughs> But it was it's fun. so it's so funny. Any other time you're like, I'm going to Maryland Death Fest. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. That doesn't sound like something I want to do. But then when I heard it was the last one, I was like, fuck. Only because every year there's been almost enough bands from that I like for me to want to go. You know, it's it like was, it's never yeah. enough that I've gone. But I'm always like, oh, that could be fun. And then I don't go. And then I I didn't find out till later. Oh, that was the last one ever. Yeah, fuck. and best played. It's, it's not really gonna be the last one. You don't think so? I mean, at the very least, some other scummy promoter is going to buy buy yeah, the, the rights to the name and just run it. Like, yeah, it's that's not going to. It's and fine. No one's going to yeah. no one's going to be like, oh no, it's not the same promoter. I'm not going to go to that. <laughs> like, no one's going to fucking care. It's going to be the same thing. I mean, don't be wrong. I would have gone. Definitely wanted to see Infest. Yeah. But uh, being you know, like I I am a poser when it comes to liking metal. I definitely like some metal, but I'm not like a. Uh, it, it's not my world, so I, I don't think I would have had the same level of enjoyment that some of our listeners might have. You know, it's honestly Melani's bag. Like she likes more of the death metal right, stuff. Yeah. I'm definitely more <laughs> of the hardcore punk stuff. But it's cool. You know, we support each other in a relationship. You know, you guys. <laughs> of know course, of course. Um. So so yeah. Oh, other things. I saw Bendela Creme, uh, mm. drag queen. 
and she did a show called Bendel and Cram gets uh like something like or gets hitched, I think yeah. it's called. So that it was, was a uh, too, yeah. It was a one woman show about getting married and it was awesome, super fun. And then we got to see uh the Dragula tour by the Boulet brothers. So uh I got to meet uh the four top queens from the last season of Dragula, which uh season four, if you haven't seen it, it's all on shutter, all through stream, it's pretty fun. It's not so much drag, it's more so like horror, but it's also like drag, you know what I'm saying? So that was cool. And um yeah, that's it. That's what I did. Whack and on track. Nothing whack except for getting hit by a car, <laughs> which happened a couple episodes, apparently. But you know. Uh, Mike, you you listened to the last episode. Did, I already talked about getting surgery, right? Did I already talk about that? I don't think it happened before the last episode. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so uh, whack for me is I had my lymph node removed, uh, <laughs> which is like you know I guess it's on track because I don't have cancer. So that's the pl- the positive is no cancer. The whack is just surgery sucks, and you know this is like it went relatively well for a surgery you know what i mean like nothing went wrong everything's fine but you know i still have a giant scar that's healing but it's going to take a while i gotta put fucking um ointment you know like a antibacterial shit on it like twice a day for like four months that's a lot of that's a lot of commitment for a guy who doesn't i don't do well with patterns you know what i mean like i don't do well with remembering to do things so that's not fun having to do that uh it's still swollen it's still numb you know uh and i'm apparently my earlobe i'm never gonna get feeling back like i'm always what? gonna have a numb earlobe yeah you're just gonna have numb earlobe you've yeah. got earlobe blind yeah no <laughs> yeah that's forever that's a forever thing that's me <laughs> me and the lobe are gonna be detached forever so that's fun mm-hmm. um yeah mm-hmm. so you know that's it's like a stranger on your face I have, a, I have a i have a numb finger so it's okay yeah, yeah. It's not the end of the world. It's just like I didn't realize that prior. <laughs> it's more the surprise of the situation. Um, yeah, so that's all that's kind of whack. I mean, like I said, huge on track. I don't know your your boy doesn't have cancer or anything else. But it, you know, the general unknowing of like not knowing why my lymph node was so big is a little weird. I don't love that. That's not a fun thing. Mm. Uh and also whack, my my daughter got strep throat. So that's Ooh. always whack. That's never fun. Um, otherwise, you know, be, because of the surgery and just life stuff, I haven't gotten to do much lately. You know, I've lately, I've had a lot of like, uh, reports about shows I've gone to and shit. And like, I don't have anything like that. I haven't really been to the movies. I tried to go see, uh, everything everywhere all at once again. And that didn't work out. So I, for the first time in a long time, I had to leave mid movie because of a emergency with Susan's work. So that was fun. Um, but like, you know, the, the hour or so I rewatched of it in the theater, I was like, oh yeah, this movie is very good. Still so good. Yeah. Really good. Um, so I don't have a ton of stuff for, for whacking on track. I will say been catching up on a ton of TV. I, I rip through the new volume of stranger things and I know, oh, I haven't seen it yet. Don't yeah, spoil it. I not. won't. I know. I won't. Mike, I don't think you've watched it either. Right. Like you're not. No, you're not no, into I, it. no, I, I am, but my girlfriend isn't so like, sure. You gotta do it I, in your own time. Yeah, I like to do man stuff during my own time. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, Does I'm Stranger out, I'm Things out. count as man stuff? No, Stranger uh, Things is not man stuff, unfortunately. Right. So, I'm I'm playing video games, yeah, you know, sure. man stuff, like real yeah. man uh, shit. Yeah. Are you Same. building things? Is that man shit? I don't know what men are. Legos? I don't really understand. No. no, um, no, no. So yeah, I ripped. Through oh, it. I got another one. I forgot. 
Oh, Sorry. God. Okay, go ahead. You're more The Bob's Burgers movie. It's fucking awesome. Oh, you saw I it. I oh, my it. God. It's so good. Not only did I see it, I saw it at the Senate Theater in Baltimore because we took a break from Death Fest to go watch Bob's Burgers. Mm-hmm. And uh, worth it. Totally good. So, so good. And the last two episodes of season tw- of the last season, which is season 12, it's a two-parter, and it's fucking awesome. It references T-shirts, and it references Blade Runner, and yep. Ex Machina, and um, fucking Terminator. It's so good. It and yeah. the end of Greece. It's yeah. so amazing. I love Bob's Burgers. I don't know if you know that, Mike. That's a thing about me. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. On track. The movie. Sorry. Go ahead, Liam. <laughs> You're such a jerk. <laughs> uh, I definitely, wa- I definitely want to see it. I really need to see it. Uh, love, loved the Stranger Things. I, I, you know. I, there's that's a show that always engenders criticism from people. Uh, I'm I'm just I've given up on the criticisms. Like I definitely have like small ones. Like I think some of the stuff in Russia this season is going a little slower than I would like it to. But uh, but overall, it's just fun for me. I just enjoy it. So I just have I've You're just allowed. turned off. I've turned off some of my critical brain on it, and I've just accepted it. Um, and especially like in our current world of like intense nostalgia, I'm no longer willing to let stranger things be like the, the, the whipping post for people's hatred of nostalgia. Like <laughs> nostalgia is everywhere. Let's not blame these, these kids who I love and I think are fun. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 we, me and Suze are, we're both stoked on this. We ripped through also the new season of legendary. Oh my God. I'm only two episodes in. I oh, only finished buddy, the first two balls. The yeah. Fucking drama. The drama you were about to, the drama is on it? episode four. Oh, let's no. just say, is it I the one where law gets into a fight? I heard. I mean, they don't get it. He doesn't get into a fight, but there's definitely, threats of a fight that oh. don't feel you know there's a lot of performative drama on that show yeah, and yeah, yeah. this moment did not feel fake how I are mean, you how are you feeling about the absence of our girl megan uh yo i kiki i normally i would be hurt but i'm a much bigger kiki palmer fan than i am a megan the stallion fan so there you go done and done why like does they, kiki palmer have her own uh hot sauce uh no Megan she, does no but she is starring in nope which i am also uh, very excited about 100 percent can't wait for that goddamn yeah, movie yeah, yeah, yeah. so Hell no yeah. i just i think Kiki palmer's fun and i like her on the show i think she actually for me has more insights than megan did uh but you know megan the stallion also is a pop culture phenomena so you know icon, whatever yeah you icon yeah yeah anyways the new season of legendary was great there's one more episode left that we haven't mm-hmm. just came out today we haven't watched it yet but it's really good wait there's um, another episode oh yeah there is shit that's right yeah, yeah right. the f- f- oh, have yeah. you been watching it mike i didn't know you were a legendary fan oh yeah i've, I've watched them all um i'm a big any kind of competition show fan uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but the the episode where they do the horror movies and i have a lot oh, that's where i'm at right now yeah I have a long history with the Saw franchise, so when they did the the Saw routine, I fucking lost my shit. So <laughs> I so I fucking dope, I love that show. I just think yeah, it's magical. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, what was the other thing? Was oh, we finished. Um, we own this city, which is the new David Simon John. Oh man, everyone um, was losing their shit about that at practice the other day. Like it's all really the good. Are losing it. It's it's really fucking good. It's it's good, but it's different, right? Like the Wire was like. We fictionalize stuff that kind of happened, but you can tell that this is fiction. And then this show's like, 
No, this is a real dude. Oh yeah, see this awful thing this guy's doing? That's a real guy. He's he's in jail now. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it's different watching a show where you're like, most of these people are real people who actually did these things. This is only slightly fictionalized. Something about that makes it hit way harder than The Wire ever could. And it's clear that in the years since The Wire, David Simon has become much more um, cynical about policing, which is like. Ooh good good you know like i'm glad he has um but you know it, it's especially on this show because it's primarily about corrupt police is and, it the uh, same characters from the wire too or no? no 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 it's not related to the wire at all other than being in baltimore this is 100 real there's a couple characters who are amalgamations of people you know what i mean so there's a there's a civil rights lawyer that she doesn't exist, but there were a number of civil rights lawyers who were part of this process that she's doing in the show. But like all the corrupt cops, like those are all real fucking people. Like they, like they did these things, you know? And it's like super fucked. It's beyond fucked. And like, you know, I, 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 anyways, it's, I can't recommend it enough to people who can handle that sort of thing. I know that not everyone's deal is they want to be depressed for six episodes about (laughs) the quagmire that Baltimore is. But for me, I was like, yeah, this is the shit right now. Um, except for one moment that's like super dark. There's one thing that happens, Josh and Mike, that is so dark that if it wasn't true, I'd be like, this is some terrible writing. This is horrible writing, but it's not writing. This is what happened. And I was like, fuck, the world is a dark and terrible place. Um, Anyways, so uh, yeah, uh, that's really good. Uh, The other thing I wanted to mention, just kind of random, you know, sometimes I update y'all about stuff that I've been watching with Maeve. And uh, we started watching both. And I don't know how she got onto this, but we started watching both of the reboots of Thundercats with her what? so there's a there's a serious one with lino like, and all that shit yeah it's there's a serious one that's like an anime thundercats that's like very anime and then there's a jokey one called thundercats roar that's like basically plots from the original thundercats but it's all drawn silly to make fun of the thundercats um i like them both i think they're both really good <laughs> and then when i posted about really liking them friend of the show uh bob uh bob from um Axe the Grind was like, Ayo, you should watch the original Thundercats. And I was like, well, I watched it when I was a kid. He's like, no, I rewatched it with my son. It's actually good. So we started watching the original one too. And now Maeve is like into, like, she's like, she'll like, she'll say, I want to watch Thundercats. And then she's either funny Thundercats, serious Thundercats or 1980s Thundercats. (laughs) And she says 1980s in that tone of voice. And Mm. it makes me laugh. Like when we're listening to songs on her playlist, she'll be like, is this from? the 1980s <laughs> and we're like yeah this is a 1980s song no this is from the 2000s and you know whatever anyways so uh if if you're the sort of person who likes nerdy cartoons i would recommend all three of those like it's weird to think that the 80s thundercats actually has a plot because most cartoons from the 80s are trash just awful bullshit hmm. and somehow the thundercats manages to have not great plots like I, I don't know if it's worth watching if you don't have a kid but like watching it with mave i'm like this is actually pretty solid and the animation's not too bad because it's all Japanese. Like the whole run was all done in Japan, even though it was 
the scripts and stuff were done in the US, all the animation was in Japan. It's pretty solid animation. So, uh, yeah, Thundercats, give it a chance. And Thundercats Roar is more of a silly show. And I think adults could vibe with it because it's very much mocking Thundercats, but not in like a mean way, like just like having fun with it. And I've enjoyed like it. Like a Cobra a Kai kind of thing, like one of those. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's very silly. I don't know if anyone watched the Aquaman cartoon that was on hbo max that's also very silly uh i think it's the same animators and it's in the same similar style so uh anyways yeah that's all i got we'll check all right so after the break we're going to come back and we're going to talk about two movies picked by our guest from the first seven inch club podcast talking about the black tavern and we're talking about the god of cooking cool 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 After the break.
we're back, and we're talking about two movies. We're talking about The Black Tavern and The God of Cooking. Oh, man. I loved both of these movies. Can we start off by saying that? Like, I loved <laughs> both of them. I, I watched The Black Tavern first, and it gave me a bunch of Chinese super ninja vibes. Like, Five <laughs> Elements ninjas vibes. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it yeah. felt like that. And uh, that just made me love it more when it started getting into the actual, like, meat of the story. And the crews started showing up. Ah, love it. Love it. What is your what is your history with this movie, Mike? Okay, so first off, I just want to say, since uh, there's probably people on here who know, know nothing about me, I'm not Mr. Obscure Movie Man. Like, I'm not just a guy who's trying to watch the most obscure shit, but I, uh, all movies are on, on even playing fields for me. So, uh, And like I said, I just want, I want more people to know about this. So I found, about, about, uh, found out about this movie uh, from a podcast, actually, like, back, like I said, back in the early days of podcasting, like 2009. And they mention it, and I'm a I'm a big I have a big background in martial arts films and Shaw Brothers stuff. I used to when I lived in New York, still in Brooklyn, there's a small theater called the Spectacle Theater, and I used to program a martial arts matinee there for many years. Uh, so I'm not like I'm I like talking about movies. I'm not a super nerd. Like I don't remember every fact about every single movie or anything like that. But you know, I I have a love for martial arts movies for a while. So this podcast, they were talking about it. Um, black tavern i was like i've never heard of this i like i this this sounds great and it was it was back then it was there was zero information about it on the internet like there was like one website that sold like bootleg vcds that uh, had like very little information about it i have a friend that's even better at computers not you josh uh, that's even better at computers than i am and he was like oh, i'll find it for you and he found it for me so he he ripped it onto a dvd and i was like this is the greatest fucking martial arts movie i've ever seen uh so that's basically it like i've like since 2009 i even before when i was like trying to figure out movies to choose for this podcast i was like oh there's probably tons of podcasts that have talked about the black tavern now and i i google or i google it i looked and looked in like the the podcast aggregators and i just put in black tavern and there's there's one podcast that has covered black tavern in the past three years and it's in spanish so uh this yeah. is still <laughs> this is still an unknown movie um for if to give you an incentive to watch this, uh, Quentin Tarantino ripped this off for the hateful eight. Like, it, I don't 100%. think it's ever, yeah, I don't think it's like it's Bible truth. Like, I don't think he's ever come out and mentioned that for real. But this is as soon as I heard the plot to the hateful eight, I was like, hmm, that sounds a lot like the Black Tavern. And then I watched it and I was like, this is a lot like the Black Tavern. So, uh, that gives you a little more incentive to watch it, I think. So, and the, also, like, go the, ahead. the table fighting scenes are. Very much the Kill Bill rip too, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. so much in those in those two specifically. So for listeners who haven't seen it, which is probably most <laughs> honestly, uh, Black Tavern is a uh, Shaw Brothers film from 1972. It was directed by Teddy Yip Wing Cho, and uh, the run, thing run, about Shaw, right, what'd you say? Didn't Run Run Shaw direct it too? No, was he? No, nope. Teddy Yip Wing Cho, and uh, the thing about uh, our man Teddy Yip Wing Cho much more known as an actor. So he directed 13 films, most of which were for the Shaw brothers. However, he has been an actor in 66 films, including movies like the killer. So I think um, 
I think he has a much larger uh, reputation as an actor, Uh, although he's kind of like just like generic older man. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I I, I don't think he uh, he stands out in all the productions he's in as a director. um, He didn't do a lot. He did movies like The Thundering Mantis or uh, The Blade Spares None, um, The Thunder Kick, a bunch of stuff. Honestly, I haven't seen or heard a lot of people talk about. But that includes this movie, The Black Tavern. After watching The Black Tavern, uh, I now want to check out his other movies because <laughs> this movie's fucking great. And um, I, I, you know, I'm glad we're talking about it because I think it is an underseen movie, especially by martial arts nerds. You know, yeah. considering because you know I'm on Letterbox. I don't use it enough, but I've started using it. More, I, I used to use it more, uh, but I have a lot of people I'm friends with on there, and many of them are martial arts or at least exploitation fans who I think have, you know, started to plumb the depths of what's out there. And only three people I'm connected with on letterbox have reviewed this movie. One of them is you, Mike. Yep. Like that's it. Three people out of <laughs> hundreds of super nerds of people who <laughs> all they do is watch hard to find movies. And this isn't on their list and it really should be. Um, So the plot is hard to say. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of those movies where there are big surprises. So all I think all we can say is a bunch of criminals interact with each other in, at, at this tavern uh, in hopes they're all competing to steal the same uh, container of gold. Uh, and I think that's all we can say without spoiling anything. I didn't know anything about this movie going in. And, uh, I, you know, the surprise of all the different criminals, that's not much of a surprise. Like every time someone shows up, I'm like, yeah, that's a bad That's That's a that's an untrustworthy bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Fellow. <laughs> uh, but those surprises towards the end of the film or it's not even the end, really, but it's like further towards the end. Those all caught me a little bit. The one thing I did kind of see coming, uh, but. I don't want to take that away from anyone, especially if someone who maybe isn't the kind of person who guesses at endings. You know, I feel like if you're not someone who's trying to figure stuff out, you might be really surprised by this movie. I don't know. I don't know if you guys felt that way, but I felt like even though I could kind of predict some of the stuff, some of it was also kind of surprising to me. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's if you are a person who's into Shaw Brothers films and martial arts films, it's uh, it's very advanced as far as story. Sure. Goes. It's, yeah. It's like yeah, it's, not as, yeah, it's, it's not as yeah, it's not as kind dry. Yeah, yeah, it's not as just like paint by the numbers. For sure. well, and so I, I could see that kind of like detracting people who aren't super into these because it's like it is one of those like it, you can't say this for very many kung fu movies, but you can't be playing on your phone during this. Like there's a lot of sure. like twists and yeah. turns, like even like the. Yeah, the beggar in the beginning. So it begins with a beggar like singing a song, and basically the song is it tells a story about this official who's traveling through the area, and he has a bunch of uh, jewels. And uh, unfortunately, where he's telling this is another tavern filled with uns- unsavory characters, and so they all hear this this uh, this tune, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna go rob this motherfucker!" So they all leave to go rob this guy. And uh, yeah, so basically, like, if you missed like the first minute of this movie, you're just fucking lost. So, yeah, so no, it's true. So it, it's, it's true. like it's a lot more uh, involved than your your average martial arts film. I mean, I don't know that anyone listens to this show and just looks at their phone the whole time they're watching a movie. Like, yeah. you know, I I love some really dumb movies that you don't need to pay attention to. Like, I don't think that's an impossible thing to love, but. I also love that this movie isn't that, especially because like you sort of said, like not all the Shaw Brothers movies have this kind of plot. There are multiple Shaw Brothers movies that I like in which I would say I watch them for the martial arts. 
And the plot is almost inconsequential. If there are moments (laughs) that you couldn't justify narratively in some Shaw Brothers movie, some guy who has been a crippled beggar the whole movie suddenly is the mastermind of all the (laughs) the criminal networks and everyone has to fight him now. You know, all this twists and turns and you watch it because it's silly and fun. This movie manages to make a much more complicated plot with a lot of different things going on. And yet it stays silly and fun. I had yeah. fun the whole time, it's even so as I was trying to figure out fun. what the fuck was going on. Agreed. <laughs> Dude, just all the whip stuff made me laugh yeah. so hard. So good. The whip man. inside the whip. What the fuck was that? It was amazing. <laughs> so good. I mean, so, so good. If you could say, like, it, there are different styles of art, right? And, and that applies to filmmaking, too. And so one style might be minimalist, right? Like, we were talking about uh, our friend uh, Joey. Josh can say his actual name, but he says people could just call him Joey. Yeah, yeah. you could argue (laughs) that he is sometimes a minimalist as a filmmaker, right? It's not a lot. Uh, Whoever, well, we know who made this, but whoever wrote the script for this, they are a maximalist. Like, they're just like, no, more guys, more things. throwing it against the (laughs) wall, just like, blah, blah. No, there's three whips inside the whip. There's a whip and a whip and a whip. You know what I mean? Like, everything is, you know, more and more and more. And it works. At no point was I like, all right, we've gone too far now. There's (laughs) four zombies in this. And you're like, yeah, man, what? (laughs) That's a thing. Totally yeah, it's happen. not even a move. It's like, it comes within like it's probably close to the third act. They introduce zombies, and it's uh, you know, otherwise before that, you're not like you're not like oh, this is gonna be a movie with zombies in it because uh, yeah. it, it doesn't give you that. I like that. So if if again, no one saw this movie. Um, if you are more familiar with Master of the Flying Guillotine, that's another sure, movie that yeah. has that has like a lot of colorful characters, and that's the whole deal with this. It's just like colorful character after colorful character being introduced. Uh, outside of the Whip Master, which is his name, the Whip Master, my favorite. <laughs> And they're only in it for a minute. Is uh the three headed cobra who uh, the uh, bear? So, and, yeah, uh, was it? It's like bear, tiger, bear. and I forget the third one. Yeah, I think it's just lion. And it's so funny because the guy's like, "That's the bear and the lion and the tiger," and together they're known as the three headed cobra. And it's like, why are they known as the cobra? They already have animal names. Like, <laughs> and none of them are reptiles. What is yeah. going on? This is some shit. But yeah, they get in there and they got axes and shit on them. Yeah, it's like, oh man, these dudes are beasts. They're terrifying. And but, dude, there's a scene where a lady gets her head cut off by the whipmaster. Yeah, that's my favorite shit in the whole movie. When that shit yes. happened, I couldn't stop laughing. I had to pause it. It's like this is insane. It's so good. It's so so good. But man. Yo, I cannot. I'm like like as we're talking, I'm kind of looking like what other movies did this guy direct? And yeah, that's the thing. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, I'm going to watch all his movies, and he hasn't really done much. Uh, the only movie I've ever seen that's even kind of on the same pace as this is another Shaw Brothers film made, I think, the same year, 1972, called Duel for Gold. And it's like, it's not, I mean, it doesn't come close to this, but it has the same kind of unsavory character vibe sure. to it. But it's like, otherwise, yeah, I've never even come across anything. And that, this like, was only his third film. Yeah. That's crazy. After I this really, movie, I really like the unsavory character vibe. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. It, it demands more of the viewer to be like, oh, that's the good guy, that's the bad guy. Like, everybody kind of sucks in this movie in their own <laughs> yeah. way. And it makes it so much more fun, right? Yeah. Like, like, ooh, they're just trying to out shitty each other. <laughs> so good. <laughs> what a movie. Yo, according to according to Letterboxd, there are only seventy six reviews of this movie across the entire site, like at all. Yeah. That's crazy. And I'm looking at them and like 
everyone's given it four to five stars. It feels like. <laughs> yeah, it's just never. It's never had a. I mean, it's. I think right now it's on YouTube. So if you want an an easy way to watch it, listeners, uh, I think it's on YouTube. And if if it's not, you can reach out to me, and I will send you a copy of this. So uh, my it's my Twitter good. is VRTL Pros, Virtual Pros, VRTL Pros. So. You can just reach out and uh, I will send you a copy. But yeah. Yeah. I, I, so, like, uh, some of the performances I really loved um, the Whipmaster, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but the Swordsman, who is his companion, and I don't want to say too much more about that. I, I like that guy. Again, both these characters are kind of playing very serious roles, but there are moments where they kind of break character to respond to things. There is mm. a lot of slapstick response. Like, the martial arts is for real like in the sense of like it's played more serious except for the whip stuff. Uh, but there's a lot of decapitations and shit. But like when people are responding to events, the close-ups of their eyes, like like the responses they make, it's so over the top. Like this, it's the, so the great, acting though. in this is so crazy. And it's so, it, it works really well for a character who's being played serious. Like, you know, the swordsman is a serious character most of the movie. And then every once in a while something happens and the look on his face I just would fucking start laughing so hard uh, when the other, some of the other villains show up. It's crazy. You know, there's a the guy with the staff who's the, with the horn helmet. King, oh yeah. And he's got uh, the big stomach. Or whatever. That he yeah. People with. Oh, it's so fucking good. So the guy it's with like this an anime movie come to life. It's yeah. Like, the yeah, guy yeah, with the yeah. sword with the big sword who already knows that something's going on. Like he's the only one who's willing to say like, well, this is not, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you know, um, all those things. And it's, it's, it's again, it's a movie where I don't want to spend too much time on the plot because I think the, the unraveling of it is part of the fun, but it is a movie where, you know, I just think even though it's silly, in a way that it's it's the sort of silly where, you know, the people making it knew what the fuck they were doing. You know what I mean? Like, it's not it's not like we're just fucking around here. It's like there's stuff going on and that's fun. And I, I don't know. I just it, it, I, I guess what part of the response here, Mike, is like I knew I would like a Stephen Chow movie or I assumed I would like a Stephen Chow movie. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know what the fuck this was. And then Shaw <laughs> Brothers, I'm like, oh, OK, well, this will just be solid kung fu flick. And it's not just a solid flick it's like a really fun kind of innovative in a way right like i don't know how many other movies in 1972 are have this kind of plot you know what i mean like yeah. i feel like i wonder if not just tarantino but other people kind of borrowed some of these ideas yeah do you think though that shaw brothers movies like that like both of you guys do you think that they're just across the board like if it's a shaw Brothers movie you're gonna be like yeah i'm gonna like it no 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 i wouldn't say that some bad ones that i've seen yeah it, 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 it depends yeah 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 no so no no i don't no, think no. that's a blanket I, statement no know? no i i've and i've seen some bad ones too but i'm saying i tend to even enjoy some of the bad ones like I've, there's only granted i haven't dug as deep as some of our listeners i know we know we have some people who like are super fans who've gotten into and not just sharp brothers but golden harvest and all that stuff mm -hmm. right i am like a I know more martial arts movies than people who are, you know, not nerds, but, uh, but I don't know as much as other people. And I'm, and I'm comfortable with that. I don't need to be an expert, but I definitely, I know a chunk of them and some of the bad ones still have moments that I find entertaining and fun. Some, some decision where you're like, why the fuck did that happen? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> there's, there's stuff, a lot of that stuff. And that's just probably Josh, a little bit of my bias is like growing up, like, there are certain kinds of movies I probably have more patience for. And two of those kinds are martial arts and horror. That's yeah. stuff that maybe doesn't work for more discerning 
film fans still works for me because I like it, you know? Yeah, we were weaned on that stuff. Like, we had Kung Fu Theater on Channel 17, and we had, you know, horror movies on USA. Like, that was the thing. So, yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. Like, I have more patience for those movies. But, yeah, like, I I will say, like, doing that Jackie Chan uh, one of our Cinema Smorgasbord podcasts, there are some shit-ass Jackie Chan movies we have watched. (laughs) Yeah, boy. Uh, Speaking of which, this is one. Uh, Jackie Chan plays a servant in this one before he was, you know. Yeah, I mean, I've never been able to spot him, but he's credited as a servant in this. Holy shit. So he's probably in it for like literally two seconds. But well, then I have to it. thank you even more, Mike, because <laughs> now I can bring it up on my Jackie Chan show and say, I there watched a movie that we didn't cover <laughs> on the show. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Jackie Chan's biography, which is my literal yes. favorite book on Earth. But well, which uh, one? He has two. I've, I've never I haven't read the second one yet. I've only read the first one. But because uh, I'm like, why did he write another one? I don't I don't really care. But uh, <laughs> he, he changes some of the details. Okay. Okay. There you go. But, uh, but yeah, like, and you know, he says in that book that he was just an extra in so many of these movies and this just happens to be one of them apparently. Yeah. We just got to his like big roles, like his, like, you know, we've been doing this show for a while and we just got to like, uh, the, the roles for which he is known, you know, like we just did drunken master. So like, there's so much more to go. And you know, if, if, uh, Doug gets his way. We're also going to cover some of his albums, which mm. I am not excited about at all. But <laughs> albums, yeah, he really oh, wants to no. do it, so I think we're going to do it. Well, that's too bad. I Have you guys ever done fun. painted faces? You should do painted faces too. Um, I don't think we've gotten there. Do you know what year that is? No, it's later on. Painted faces doesn't. I don't think he's actually in painted faces, but. Uh, it's the it's basically the story of his early life. It's the story of oh. him and Sam. It's oh, very we'll very prob- good. Yeah, I feel like we'll probably good. do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think also Jackie Chan's in the Stephen Chow movie later on. He cameos in the Stephen Chow movie, so you got, yes, you got a lot to do. It's yeah. true. No, I know. And yeah. you know, uh, our friend Doug, who I do that show with, he's a huge Stephen Chow fan. And when we yeah. mentioned to him, like I mentioned to him, we're doing this God of Cookery movie. I was trying to get it on Turpy, and and it they couldn't find it. I said yeah. to Doug. Hey, can you get us a copy of this for us to to cover? He had a copy ready to go. Like he already had a copy. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'll send you mine. I'm a big fan, you know." And I was like, "Well, okay, of course. That's Doug's Doug's vibe." So, uh, all right. Well, let's transition to God of Cookery. I I think you know we could get into more of the plot, but I just feel like it, yeah. that could spoil things for people. Uh, suffice it to say, if you can get a copy of this movie uh, to watch, I think you should. And you I know get it from me. Reach yeah. out to me, and I'll give you one. But I also want to say I know a number of people who listen to the show who are programmers. And so if you program stuff like this is this should be programmed more. This should be like yeah. Yeah, you're doing a bunch of, of those exploitation movies. Show. Throw this fucking shit in because people don't know it. And they're going to yeah. be they're going to be you're not really gonna, happy. You're, you're yeah. not going to have, have to ask permission from Anchor Bay or anything. No, no <laughs> one's going to fucking slap. This is the only movie. This actually, ironically, this and God of Cookery are the only two movies I've programmed twice in my history of. Doing wow. kung fu matinees because I just love them so much, so I just I just always want to watch them. When, yeah. Where where did you say you were programming again? There's a small theater. It's yeah, it still exists called Spectacle. Spectacle. Theater. I love it. I love uh, it. I I went there. Yeah. I went there a couple times, but it was for oh, the go. Brooklyn Horror Film Fest. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been there I, for that. Too. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get to go to any of the screenings that they do on their own. But every yeah. time they post stuff, I'm like, oh, that sounds awesome. You know what I mean? But yeah, of course, they still know. they still do. It's called Fist Church. They still do it. 
it doesn't really have the same vibe as when I did it, but you know, I'm not the same. It's not the same people anymore. But but yeah, I mean, they don't do as much Shaw Brothers stuff. It's more kind of modern '80s and '90s action uh, martial arts uh, movies. Sure, but, sure, sure. But yeah, it's but it's, it still goes it. on. Like so that. if you're in Brooklyn, check out Spectacle Theater 123 South Third Street, right in Williamsburg. Uh, Five dollars any movie. It's a great yeah. place. It's really cool, and their programming is really stellar. I think yeah. over overall programming is really stellar. Um, when you say the eighties and nineties stuff, I'm always like, okay, but what are we talking about here? Because if we're talking about like a like a like a Cynthia Rothrock movie, fucking yeah, I mean, awesome. It, yeah, it covers the bases. I the the they actually I never saw it before. Uh, during the pandemic, they were doing it. They were doing a like doing it over Twitch or whatever, and I was like, man, it's like I'm home again. Because like the one thing I really miss about uh, being back home is that I can't go to spectacle anymore. So it was cool, but they showed a movie called, and it's fairly popular called Aces Go Places, and I never saw that before. Oh, that's like, I've heard of it. I've never seen it. Yeah, that's not even really martial arts. It's just kind of like an action movie. But yeah, and, and so it's it's more like that kind of vibe where it's just like it's in the middle of the Cynthia Rothrock and just the kind of like eighties Hong Kong action. I'm well. That's the thing. If if it's if we're doing eighties nineties and it's Cynthia Rothrock or early michelle cho like that that's yeah. cool but if we're talking about like white guy like kickboxer ripoffs you know like <laughs> white guy at a martial arts tournament in the philippines i'm almost always out they're like like i like oh, I, I, I love I, those two i love those two <laughs> see i like i like kickboxer but now because of doing my other podcast i've been doing for cinema sportsport is the vic diaz podcast where yeah. we just do filipino exploitation movies and <laughs> vic diaz was in a lot of terrible fucking movies and he's always good but the movies if they are written and directed by a white man are always bad. <laughs> it's just such a bummer, man. I mean, granted his prison exploitation movies from the seventies. I love those like big bird cage. I'm all day, but some of the, some of the martial arts ones, I'm like, Oh God, please. I'm, I, oh God. So anyways, okay. Let's talk about God of cookery. Mike, tell us a little bit about God of cookery and how you found this movie. Uh, so this one is it's uh, starring Ch- Stephen Chow, obviously. Uh, it's from 1996. Um, so if no one, if people are listening and don't know who Stephen Chow is, he's kind of the guy who uh, kind of crushed Jackie Chan's box office records in Hong Kong. And uh, in the mid mid to early to mid 2000s, they're like, we're going to make him the next Jackie Chan, even though he's not a martial artist. Uh, but so they brought him over to America and they released a movie called Shaolin Soccer. And they did the typical Disney thing of just whitewashing it and <laughs> overdubbing it. And it bombed, obviously, because, you know, no one wants to fucking see that bullshit. And uh, then he did uh, he did Kung Fu Hustle, which was kind of, you know, like a sleeper hit. And uh, yeah, then he did a, great. I love that. I think movie. he was uh, he was supposed to direct Green Hornet and he bow- bowed out of that. I think he might have still been. it. I can't remember. He did a CJ seven in America or that was released in America. And that was kind of a bomb. So he kind of just disappeared. But getting back to how I found this movie. I think it was either right after or right before I saw Shaolin Soccer. Um, and my friend Aaron was like, again, he was the guy who found Black Tavern for me. He's he's an expert at the computer. That's his job. His job is just computers. But um, I think he like he's the one who showed me Shaolin Soccer. And it was, like I said, it was either before or after. He was like, oh, I got this other movie. And it was back. It was long ago, long enough ago where it was still like on VCD. And he was like, I got this movie called God of Cookery. We got to watch it. And it was like, we're both huge Iron Chef fans. Like, I love, I, I mean, outside of Iron Chef, I love food. I love movies about food. I love everything. I agree. Food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's like, oh, we got to watch this. And uh, ever since then, it's just been like, this is like 2002, probably. This has been like one of my favorite movies. It's, it is 
just I it's it's so ridiculous to me that this has never got a U, U.S. release because when they're really even really pushing Stephen Chow as like a new U.S. type of icon guy, like the next Jackie Chan, they did like some cheapo releases of his other Hong Kong movies, but right. never. I this. remember that. Yeah, they never did this, and like I don't know why this is his best Hong Kong movie Do that never think- made it to America. Do you think it's because Americans would find some of the food stuff alienating? I think that, like, it's weird because, like, I've never, you know, you guys can attest, I've never seen a copy of this that has, like, good subtitles. Like, the subtitles on the newest version that's on the internet are decent. Uh, And so it's kind of, like, I think maybe they thought a lot of it would get lost in translation. I don't know, but, I mean, like, the Royal Tramp isn't exactly, like, you know, American fucking content either, and they released that, so... I don't know. I mean, it could just be some kind of rights issue. I don't They might have, like, a lot of uh, Hong Kong and Asian movies in general lift music from places and don't, don't pay copyrights. So it could just be something st- stupid like that. So I don't know. But, yeah, just, like, it never got a release. And um, I've I've been slowly watching all the Stephen Chow movies, you know, since since then. Now it's a lot easier. Back then it was a little harder to find them. And I've still, I don't, like, even the ones that are rated better than this and reviewed better than this, I've... Maybe it's just, you know, my personal like personal love of food that makes me like this one more than the rest of them. But I don't know. I think this is just like the most concise one out of outside of Kung Fu Hustle, like out of his whole filmography. Josh, I want to get your take on this movie. But first, Mike, I had to ask, have you since seeing this movie tried to get a sorted noodle or <laughs> the barbecue pork dish anywhere? I mean, every place has a sorted noodle, but. Um, I never knew as, what it was, but though I now I know I kind of want to get it. Barbecue pork uh, as down far in as like, town here. I got you, dog. Next time you're in Philadelphia, yeah. bro. All good. Uh, but yeah, the uh, Chicago is a very underrated Chinatown, by the way. It's food wise, not as like walking around wise, but food wise, it's pretty good. But uh, I mean, but yeah, like, walking around wise though, there's some cool stuff. It's not as visually yeah. impressive, but there's still a couple of cool things here and there. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, I I wish I could. Um, I wish I could stumble upon pissing beef balls one day, but yes. I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> what the shit? I mean, I would settle for pissing shrimp, honestly. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah it was, it's crazy. I, I, d- Josh, I assume, like me, you had never seen this. What did you think of The God of Cookery? Well, I mean, I'd own, the only Stephen Chan movies I'd seen before this was Shaolin Soccer and Kung Fu Hustle. So then I came to this because of this episode, and I loved it just as much as I loved those other two movies. It was so much fun. This movie is so much fun. Ridiculous. Yeah, I I think some of the humor, you know, there's a whole running joke about this uh, woman who got slashed in a fight and whether she's ugly or not. I think modern American audiences are going to be a little off put by some of that. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that. And like, I don't I I don't know what it is about Stephen Chow films, but every single one of his movies has like some weird relationship shit that's like. I wouldn't say it's problematic, but it's like it's weird. It's like it's like it's off. Like even Shaolin Soccer has it. Uh, fucking King Comedy has it. So many of them yeah. have this like weird romance angle that's just like doesn't really fit in it. I always just I'm just always like this is over my head. It's lost in translation. Maybe Chinese fellows find this ex- like hilarious, but I just don't understand it. But so I always ignore the relationship stuff yeah. in the Stephen Chow movies. That's probably safe. You know yeah, because yeah. I mean? the rest of the movie like plays so flawlessly. Like, the whole like. Yeah draw a heart on this paper with an arrow through it's like wait what is what are you talking about man like just get with the get with you know what i'm saying like but and you're right like the romantic stuff in this movie is completely ancillary 
yeah. almost makes no difference from front to back. You know what I'm saying? But um, I don't know. The rest of it is such a joy. Just like, I guess. Go ahead. I was no. I was gonna just say. I guess for, you know because we didn't we didn't mention. It. Basically, God of Cookery is a movie like he he plays basically almost like a Gordon Ramsay type. Uh, he or an Iron Chef type. Even. Sure. He's, yeah. He's he's ascended to the God of Cookery. It's some like contest, uh, which makes you like the greatest chef in all of I, Hong Kong. I mean, and I think it's worth saying that like this feels. I mean, it's hard for U.S. people because I think we were exposed to it later. But Iron Chef was a thing by the time this movie came out. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it was probably influenced by the original Japanese Iron Chef, not the American ripoff yeah, or yeah. whatever. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. It, 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 the the way it's filmed, the attitude of it, it very much is like Iron Chef, and uh, and it's very much like he is entirely false he is a fucking which yeah. by the way theme of steven chow movies also let me back up a little bit and say uh, it, it does a very fun thing that i've seen him do before which is it opens with a, a a setup scene and then it does a giant flashback and then comes back to that very same moment yeah. again and i just love that as a storytelling thing yeah all his movies are kind of the same deal it's just different yeah. scenes yeah he works with the same people <laughs> but yeah, it's Doesn't basically it like come he, back to Buddhism in his other movies too. Like I know not, it doesn't I don't. Do math, don't do I don't think it's always Buddha. I mean, I don't think it's always Buddhism, but I think it, it's it's been in a few. That's for sure. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the deal with it. It's like he's this guy. He kind of falls from grace because like the he's he's a douchebag, and then the douchebags he works works for kind of double cross him, and he falls from grace. Yeah. And yeah, he like he stumbles upon like a street vendor named Turkey. And uh, she is a rival with this other guy, and he kind of like teams them together to like uh, you know like ascend back to the top. And uh, after that, it gets real wacky. But there's <laughs> so it's hard to like again a hard hard to get in the plot, even though it's a comedy. So who cares? But it gets super wacky, or you expect it to just be kind of like this redemption story, but then it just goes off the fucking rails and gets super crazy. But there's a lot of like it's filmed like a martial arts movie, even though it doesn't really have much martial arts in it um all of the food shots are insane like it's just like it's again like i the theme of this was movies that i want to have on like crazy 4k releases and uh 1080p is is cutting it it's it's okay to see this <laughs> yeah great yeah. great food in 1080p but i still need that ultra 4k yeah to, to see these dishes it, just, it goes completely <laughs> off the rails in that third act yeah yeah we can all agree right like by the yeah. time you get to that third act with the food and the fighting at the end you're like yeah now he's in a temple what and she got shot in the tooth i mean what is happening like okay the- but like think about the other movies of his you've seen like to me that's just like uh that's just like kung fu hustle you know that like yeah. you think you know what you're doing and then it gets even more crazy or even like a more recent one like journey to the west like journey to the west is very much a movie where it's like i think i know what this is about and then i don't know what this is about <laughs> and that's fine you know i think this movie it does that, but it does it in a way. Honestly, there's a lot of parts of this movie that remind me in a caricature way of old Shaw Brothers films, which is why I thought it was a good fit with this movie. I know the theme, Mike, was not that the movies have anything in common other than yeah. they need special editions. But um, there's a lot of aspects of this movie 
aesthetically, stylistically, that remind me of the most ridiculous elements of Shaw Brothers movies. And I fucking love that. The idea that he just stumbles upon a fucking Shaolin temple that's also <laughs> the cooking place. And then it turns out his rival actually went to the same place. But like he was there for 10 years and our man was only there for a few months, but he's got all the same like abilities now. I, all of that felt like a fucking plot from a movie about a pole fighter or a yeah. monkey kung fu dude, you know? It also pays homage to 18 bronze men. That's that. Yes. That whole yes. part's like, yeah, like a homage to 18 bronze men. But yeah. So good. Fuck. All right. Uh, let's let, let's. OK, so the one negative thing I don't know about you guys, but for me, the one negative thing is the the relationship stuff. And Mike, I think you're right. There's always weird stuff like that in his movies that I don't yeah. understand. Some some watchers will find it vaguely sexist, I guess. Um, yeah. If if it wasn't for the commentary on her looks, though, that character is otherwise great. Like she's tough, she sees something in him. There's a lot of things to like about her, but that whole aspect is a little weird. Yeah, uh, I guess he also like when he is mean, he's really mean to some of his uh, underlings. But that that didn't bum me out too much. Like I thought that was okay. Um, you remove that though, and I gotta agree with you, Josh. The rest of the movie is almost perfect like it is it's silly it's goofy there's maybe not a lot to it but whatever if you love fun (laughs) and mike like i i know that it to a certain extent the food in this movie is handled with humor but there are definitely moments in this movie where i found myself getting fucking hungry yeah you know (laughs) just like watching it being like fuck i uh, that when he's given that simple rice dish like we said with the barbecue pork and the egg and the thing i was like yeah, I fucking want that. You know, like <laughs> I want to fucking eat that right now. Did it bug either you guys at that they're eating sea cucumber in there? Because I've never had sea cucumber, and I was like, oh no, you could eat that? <laughs> That's a thing. No way. And then Melania's oh, like, that we had it before. Like, oh, I don't think I've ever had it. Melania was like, we did. We like. The uh the the only part that bummed me out is the theme of not cleaning out the pig intestine enough for the assorted <laughs> well, noodles because I've had pig intestine enough time, and I'm always like there's a part of me that's like, are you sure they cleaned it, buddy? They better yeah. have cleaned it, you know? Uh, but I like it. I like it a lot. So whatever, you know, I, I still is what you're telling me. You like the chitlins, huh? Uh, you know, I've had it the most often actually at Malaysian restaurants. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have had chitlins before. Yes, yes, yes. Because Miss Chris used to make me chitlins all the time. And she's like, don't worry, Josh. I cleaned it real good. Uh, Josh, <laughs> Josh, you'll understand this. The other day there was a post on Twitter. It was like, how many of these foods have you eaten to show how Southern you are? And so I was like, Oh, well, I'm not Southern at all. I'll check it out. And people who I know who are from the South were like, I've had 10 or I've had 15. And I looked and I'd had 25 of these fucking foods. And the reality (laughs) was like, a, I like food. So I search out stuff, but B like, in the North, this is just soul. You know what I mean? Like this idea that like, if you've never been to South Carolina, you've never had chitlins. It's like, Nah, dog. No, dog. Like, no, yeah, it's called that's not Cash Money Kensington, and yes, yeah. I've had some. It's cool. Yeah, it's it's yeah. not that. Like, I, I don't know. Anyways, I don't want to get into all the the racial politics of that. Of that. But yeah, that's a lot. I, you know, I had a, I had a similar experience when I lived in Norfolk. Was like this feeling of like, oh, you're you're a Yankee, so you ain't never had this before. And I'm like, well, <laughs> actually, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I was th- I was thinking about chitlins a little bit though, more than Malaysian, because that's the last time I had pork intestines. Was that that uh, Penang uh, restaurant oh, yeah, in yeah, yeah. In, uh, in Chinatown in Philly? And uh, the 
pork intestines there are fucking delicious. But of course, there's some part of you like, did they clean this? I, I, it's just my <laughs> maybe that's just my sick brain. You know, you're paranoia. That's it. Yeah. That's all it is. Cool, man. Um, I liked the combination of cooking and martial arts and Stephen Chow really has this thing of like a character revealing their true nature, you know, like every time the, the other chef would just like fling his arms out and his outfit would just shoot off and suddenly he has a uh, different outfit underneath. Funny every time. <laughs> Magical. And then when he's so making the food. Uh, there's just a style that when they're Chow fighting has. each other and they're making the food in that last yeah. battle is yeah. so good. It's so <laughs> funny. Like when he burns the chef's face, when the chef holds the colander up to his face and he gets just the dots yeah. on his face. <laughs> yeah. Oh my sweet baby. And Jesus. there's even that something so about funny. that, that feels like a caricature of how sometimes we think of chefs. I mean, if you're, if you, if anyone watched those original Japanese iron chef drawings, they were sometimes filmed like fucking martial arts movies. Like they really really? like tried to make them dramatic. They were like zooms and low (laughs) angles and shit. Like they really tried to be like, this is the most dramatic thing that's ever happened. And it's two people in a room cooking. It's like not (laughs) that sexy, but the show tried to make it very sexy. and And I feel like the movie is, purposefully playing with that idea i i think you know i can see it yeah it's definitely a playful movie it's definitely like every time i saw stuff like that in this movie it made me think of like what a kid like you know if you're a kid and you see a colander like ooh, you throw hot water you're only gonna get burned in the holes like that kind of like <laughs> kid logic is like applied sure, to a lot yeah. of the chefing in this movie it's so funny <laughs> It's so funny, man. I mean, like just the fighting with the with the spoons and all this stuff. Yeah, it's genius. Goddamn and brilliant. Stephen Chow is just a master of being like, I'm gonna make a character who sucks and then make him charming all the same. Yeah, you yeah. know that's like his vibe. And and you know it is very much I think in the lineage of Jackie Chan. Like some of Jackie Chan's characters are very much that. But he definitely has his own style that is far more cartoony like all of yeah. his films are live action cartoons in how ridiculous they are and i and i i fucking love that i get that that's probably a turnoff for some people because mike i think you're right he was kind of presented as like this is the next jackie chan yeah, and it's because he's nothing Asian. like that yeah it's <laughs> yeah. it's all racism all the way down like there's no his yeah. movies are nothing even kung fu hustle it's not ja- it's not anything like a jackie chan movie at yeah. all yeah yeah yeah, yeah. For sure. It's just, he's so charming. He's such a charming filmmaker. Of the three that I've seen, there there's no other word to describe. There's, I, I think we can probably wrap up pretty quick here. There's one scene I wanted to talk about because I just love the way it was done, which is, um, you know, he ends up in... Uh, in this alleyway of street vendors and there's, there's turf fights over the street vendors and stuff. And uh, eventually they, they get rid of these people who are challenging them. And then they come back in secret with their cleavers. They're going to chop up everybody and whatever. (laughs) And the two, you know, uh, the, the, his, his uh, semi love interest in him are just sitting there quietly as they sneak up. And then uh, we cut to some other people who are waiting to see what's going to happen. And then when we cut back, the guys who were there to attack, they're also looking, sort of staring. And then we cut to this other angle, and the 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 ball, what we will soon find out is the pissing beef ball, <laughs> is is bouncing on the table. And they're amazed at the elasticity. And I wanted to bring that scene up for two reasons. One, I just think the filmmaking of that sequence is very good and is really a reminder that Stephen Chow is not just a fucking clown. Like, I think there is a lot of, like, skillful editing and camera angles going into that that sequence. And it's, like, really well shot and, and, and really effective. It's and then really the, well thought out. Yes. 
Yes. And it, and it, and it's, it has a certain, like, even if it's like making fun of the drama, it's a very well done caricature of a certain kind of filmmaking. Right. But also why the fuck does it matter that the balls are elastic again? Like yeah. this is a selling yeah. point, the whole movie, how fucking <laughs> elastic the balls are. And if you tell me a food is elastic, I don't want to fucking eat it. hundred yeah. percent. Not appetizing. <laughs> yeah. Mike, can Sorry. you explain to me why elasticity was such an important part of this movie? I don't know. I, I think it, I mean, maybe it, thematically it, it's a thing. Yeah. It was, it was appealing to me though. I was like, I would love to have, Oh um, yes. Because I, you know, and I, I think ever since I saw this movie, like anytime I have pho and they have like Vietnamese meatballs, yes. those I'm always like, maybe I could bounce these on the, because <laughs> they have, like, they, Vietnamese meatballs have an elasticity. The spongy to them. aspect. To yeah. yeah. That's yeah. why I don't get them. I never get the meatballs <laughs> in the pho. I love I'm, them for that very oh, reason. Disgusting. I'm literally like, if I get pho, I'm like, yo, give me the fatty flank. Give me the <laughs> tripe. Like, give me all the gooey stuff. See, oh, meatballs. Yeah. No, fuck those meatballs. You can, <laughs> my you wife can is half Vietnamese and she loves the tendon and the tripe in the pho. And I can't get down. With oh, I love it. I, I don't, I, I love it. I don't yep. mind the flavor of tripe, but I don't the texture is like yeah. like I'm not too into the texture. So but give me I them still get it in the baby. Yeah, I yeah, still get boy. the I still get the te- I still get it in the, the pho, but it's sometimes I just don't finish it. It's hard style. <laughs> it's a hard style all around for me. I can't I can't do it. Yo, did you ever chicken wings? So you know. Did you ever take people to get pho and they were not impressed, and then you judge them? Uh, I try not to take people to get pho because as an Asian man, I hate feeling like a cultural yeah. tour guide. Oh, that's so fair. I that's hate fair. feeling. That's why I won't and, take my white friends to Chinatown. <laughs> and to, uh, to, to be honest, for me, like I, I honestly haven't had that great fun until I lived here. So um, uh, I was always like, I was always kind of like, eh, it's fine. But uh, the, the little Vietnamese area in Chicago was like fucking a number one. That's all the best Vietnamese food I've had. Yo, so the where I lived used to live in South Philly, Mike, it was more mm-hmm. uh I mean traditionally South Philly's Italian, but it was more Mexican when I was there. But there were still a number of Vietnamese places. And in fact my landlord was Vietnamese, even though he lived in South Jersey. He had owned a bunch of uh buildings around us and whatever, whatever. Uh so there was a lot of pho places near me. And I don't know if you feel this way, Josh. There's some really impressive pho in South Philly. Just Yo, some man. fucking all, like, unbelievable dude, places. All the way to Fuss 75, which is like, that's like the budge. But like, yeah. man, that shit is still dope as fuck. Yeah. And Hell so yeah. like, I took friends who just, they were visiting. They were wanting to get dinner. And I was like, oh man, there's this pho place. And my man was like, oh, I've never had pho. And he is an adventurous eater. So I was surprised that he had never had it. And I was like, let's do it. And literally he was like, so what? It's just like, steak soup or something <laughs> and i was like i'm gonna fucking fight you right now like i was so that's where you scissor pissed. kick him in his face boom i thought you know? about it i thought about it. well no i didn't think about it because i would get my ass kicked but you know what i mean um anyways uh yeah i look guys uh it's a funny fun movie it should have a uh a, a, a very expensive release i don't know why it doesn't it's especially great if you love cooking and food I, I just like I honestly again go into it knowing there's some weird gender politics I don't understand. There's yeah. something <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's some sure. f- humor source here I don't get. It's weird to me. I don't understand it. You take that little bit out. If you're capable of looking past that bit, this is a fucking magical movie. And Mike, I cannot thank you enough for bringing these two movies to us for this episode. It it makes me very happy. Yeah, this was such a fun episode to prepare for. And like sometimes when we get guests, they bring they bring movies that aren't really so much our cup of tea or whatever. Mm-hmm. But me and Liam make it, you know, we like a lot of movies, right? But this was one that like I 
I had to wake up at five o'clock yesterday and today to watch this before work. <laughs> both of these movies and did not regret one second of it. Just saying. Well, that's that's good. I'm glad both of you guys like them because I said it on the last episode of First Seven Inch Club, but my backup was a movie called Super Fuzz that I think maybe you guys would would have hated. So I'm glad I'm glad I, I mean, chose. Right. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, <laughs> yeah. so I don't know. Yeah. I probably would hate it, but I will say, <laughs> catching up with a Sergio Corbucci movie. I mean. We're, you know, this is the man who directed The Great Silence, the greatest cowboy movie of all time. So I am. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. I'd still, it's, a t- it's a tough sell. It's a tough sell if you didn't grow Josh, up Josh, do you know about this sure. movie, the Super Fuzz movie? No, I don't. Well, uh, Josh is less of a fan of, of the expanse of Italian filmmaking. So okay. uh, he doesn't know that every Italian filmmaker had to do every genre at some point. So <laughs> a lot of directors who you might know for horror movies or Westerns or Giallo also had to make stupid comedies. Just at some point, you had to make a stupid comedy. You just had to. And so Super Fuzz is the one that Sergio Corbucci made. And uh, I've heard people who love it, and I've heard people who hate it with a passion. So I would have at least been curious to watch it. Now, mm. I might have hated it, honestly, Mike. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But yeah. but it would have been cool. It, it would have filled in a hole for me, which is I've only seen Sergio Corbucci's Westerns. I've actually never watched any of his other genres. He did crime movies. He did sex comedies. I haven't seen any of them. Well, guess what, Mike? You know one way we could solve this problem is by having you back on our show. Yep. To discuss Sergio Corbucci movies. What you just got to cut that, that check. You just cut the check and I'll <laughs> yeah. be back. I got you, man. I got you <laughs> in the mail, baby. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, you know, we'll send you a t-shirt and our well wishes, okay. you know, so there, there you go. go. <laughs> All right, Mike, out. thank you for coming on. Uh, obviously, people should listen to the first seven inch club, which is available wherever you find fine podcasts. Do you have any other social media you want to plug or any other uh, endeavors you want people to know about? Yeah, if even if you hate hardcore punk podcasts about old old man hardcore, uh, just follow the Instagram. It's also for Seven Inch Club. I post old flyers, a bunch of other interesting shit. Uh, if you want to reach out for a copy of the Black Tavern or Got a Cookery, or just uh, are into wrestling in general, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at vrtlpros. That's uh, it's a lot of wrestling talk, but you know, if, if you're into wrestling, that's a uh, I'm pretty funny. I'm a pretty fucking funny guy on Twitter. So it, I, I'm going to say it's, it's worth your time if you're Love into wrestling and, and comedy. So, Well, th- thanks, everybody, for listening. Please check out Mike's podcast and all of his various social endeavors. And, like, yeah, get a copy. If, you, if you're totally confused by both of these movies, I cannot <laughs> recommend enough. You, you either find a copy yourself or hit up Mike to get a copy. Uh, yo, thanks for listening. Follow us on social media. We're C-I-N-E-P-O-N-X on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, check out some of the other shows on the network, Horror Business, The Carnage Report, uh, Twitch of the Death Nerve. There's even a new episode of Tomb of Ideas where they did a commentary for the Morbius movie, which I think is pretty fucking hilarious. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 a real, uh, it's a real labor of hate, I think, is what they did <laughs> there. Um, uh, you know, just check out some of the other shows, uh, including Cinema Sportsboard and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, tell a friend. That's, that's really all yeah. we ask is if you like the show, tell somebody about it. That's how we grow. And you could also rate, review, and subscribe because, again, that's the currency that podcasts actually uh, are judged upon and, you know, get props. Holler at us, y'all. All All right. That's it. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Bye.
smoke bomb. Do you like spooky movies? Hair-raising tales. Insightful criticism. Judgmental hot takes. Then you're going to love horror business. The horror podcast and the Cinepunks podcast network dedicated to all things weird and spooky. My name is Leo Dom. And I'm Justin Lore. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not-so-favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great or maybe not great. Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Inseminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain. So if we have to suffer through it, so do you. Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products.